Hello and welcome to episode 321 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now starting 2024, I wanted it to be a big guest, someone that I fell in love with straight away the moment we started talking. And I may have said this many times on the podcast, but this is one guest I'm really eager to get back on. We only got half an hour on this interview and I was eager to talk more and more and we clicked like no other guest before. So I'm going to work so hard behind the scenes to make sure we do a follow up to today's interview. But I'm thrilled to be joined by the absolutely incredible Andy Nyman. You'll know Andy for either being an actor, a director, a writer, a magician and just all round an amazing guy. He's the master of horror for me. There isn't much this guy doesn't know and he really is an absolute gent. I can't wait to share this interview with you in just a couple of minutes time. But before we do, let's quickly touch base and talk about my last episode. I ended the year with Silverchair, Ben and Chris. What an amazing band, what an amazing interview and just a career highlight for me. One of my favourite bands growing up and the interview blew up. So thank you so much to everyone that took the time to listen, who shared the episode, who left feedback, who left a comment. It really means the world and I've been speaking to Ben a lot over Christmas and he loves seeing all the amazing comments and all the amazing feedback that you guys left. So thank you so much. But today's interview is all about Andy Nyman. I'm so thrilled with this interview and I can't wait to get to it. We do talk about a lot of films here, about his magic and so much more in the time we're given. And we also talk about his brand new Andy Nyman Selects, which is out now and exclusively available on the Arrow player, which is online. Go and check it out, see what you think and you'll absolutely love it. So I think the best thing to do now is to get straight to the interview. So here's me and Andy talking all things film and TV. So Andy, thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Andy, what I do with all guests that come on the podcast, and I've been doing this now for nearly seven years, um, I'm always intrigued about when you were a kid and you were growing up. Was there a certain point that you wanted to go down the road of being an actor or a writer or musician? musician or director what was it when you were a kid that you really wanted to be when you grew up actor straight out actor yeah actor 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 it's the it's what i still think i am that's my main career everything else is a glorious hobby (laughs) um yeah so you know i knew i wanted to be an actor probably from when i was 10 um and what really cemented it was seeing jaws at the cinema and seeing Richard Dreyfus, you know, because as a little stocky, curly-haired Jewish kid wearing glasses, looking up at the big screen and seeing a little stocky, curly-haired Jewish guy up on the big screen, it was uh, an absolute moment for me, realising, wow, you know, you can achieve your dreams and not have to look like a godlike specimen. Um so, yeah, I've wanted to be an actor ever since, and that's what I've done. I think we can get on really well because Jaws is my favourite film ever made, and obviously the, oh. part of, the part of Hooper is just incredible. So if Hooper inspired you to want to be an actor, I love you already. Well, let me tell you, I have a book here 
called Jaws Memories from Martha's Vineyard, which I don't know if you've got or seen. I've got it myself. I've got the uh, the beautiful hardback edition that's got every single photo you could ever name in. And is that the one that's, because that's the one I bought, the collector's one that's got the, the piece of the ship on it? It has, the Orky, yeah. I can't believe you've got that as well. I literally open that up and every now and then touch that and, and I cannot <laughs> believe it from being a kid in the cinema and seeing that to being able to have a little piece of it in my study is it's a head fuck it's uh what i notice about jaws fans you don't like jaws you either love it and it's your life and you're obsessed or you've never seen it and um weirdly only two days ago off ebay uh, this is when I sound like a real nerd, but in 1968, they brought out the National Geographic magazine that had all those pictures that they used when we see Brody's eyes flickering through the magazine and the book of all the shark pictures. Oh, wow. And I bought one off eBay. The person surely doesn't know what they've got because I bought it for £7 and it's the original in pristine <laughs> condition, 1968 magazine with that picture then makes obviously Ellen Brody shout at her son to get out of the boat and to yeah. have those pictures. If I ever meet you at Fright Fest or something in the future, I will show you this because it's unbelievable. How brilliant! How brilliant! Well, hello, fellow traveler. Let's just talk about Jaws for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, you knew at this very ripe young age uh, as a child that you wanted to basically be an actor. Um, was that something that your family supported you with? Because obviously if you ever turn around to your parents and say, I want to be a rock star or I want to be an actor, they turn around they, and say, you know. Did. They did. And look, you know, it's, I, I grew up in a, a very happy traditional home. And, you know, there's no question that they are, they were rightly concerned. How on earth are you going to make a living doing that? But, you know, they had we'd spent our childhood going to the theatre, watching movies on the telly, going to the pictures, you know. So my love of the arts and enthusiasm for it came directly from them. So they've only got themselves to blame is what I've always thought. I love it. So at what point was it during college or something that you actually thought this could become a reality? Because obviously everyone would love to be the next... I don't know, maybe someone like Bruce Campbell in Evil Dead, or you might want to be, like you said, like maybe like Brody and Jaws. But when was the point that it actually felt like this is going to become a reality and I can actually go down this road? I think the moment I got into drama school yeah, was the moment that I thought, you know, I was already confident enough to audition for drama school. You know, I was 17 and I auditioned and I auditioned for all of them. And I got into three of them um and um so chose to go to guildhall which obviously you know terrifying i grew up in leicester had a lovely happy safe childhood which is a blessing obviously and then moved to london aged 18 terrified hated it hated it for two years but loved drama school and loved acting and knew at that point this is what I want to do. And it really felt real. And I've always had a very strong, confident sense of that. I've never doubted for a minute, you know, um, 
But it's an insane business fraught with hardship and fraught with ludicrous uncertainty, which I've just always embraced as part of the journey of it. Do you take all those uncertainties as just hurdles to get over and just a bigger challenge to overcome each time? Because I do work within the film industry quite a lot. Um, Obviously, I interview actors and directors, and it's such a hard world to make your name in. And then even when you have, it's a constant battle because you're always trying to get seen and get noticed in a world that's so busy. Yeah. I mean, I've written a couple of books. I mean, I've got two books, The Golden Rules of Acting and More Golden Rules of Acting. You know, one of the things I talk about within that is you're not just an actor when you're acting. You know, part of being an actor is learning to live with the challenge of not working which can be 75, 80% a year, 90% a year, 98% a year. You know, so how do you survive that? So I do just embrace it. That's one of the reasons I do many other things. I need to create. I love creating, you know, so I do magic and I write and I direct and I love all of those things, not quite as much as I love acting. But, you know, that's one of the reasons I do it all is that it gives you power because you're earning a living in a few different ways. And it means that you can exercise that power over what acting material you choose to do or not do. If, you know, after a few years, you're in that position where you can actually choose a little bit more, please God. I mean, you mentioned obviously your directing work and doing the TV specials for Darren Brown and obviously ghost stories nearly six years ago. Now that blows my mind. It's been that long, but, um, Um, do you still have that passion and desire to want to continue and do more directing in the future? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Certainly film. Certainly, you know, Jeremy Dyson and I've just, you know, we wrote a novel this year that came out in April called the warlock effect. And we're just yeah. adapting that for TV. Um, Hartswood. Um, and so we're looking at, you know, writing and directing, that as a six part series, which is such a thrilling idea to get to do that. No, I absolutely love it. And with your acting work, obviously you've been in so many roles, TV films, massive studio. Plus, you know, when you think of something like star Wars, but then obviously stuff like the commuter, uh, Hannah TV. So it's such a variety. Yeah. Do you just love being busy? Do you just want to work as much as you can on such a varied amount of roles to basically keep on, building up your portfolio, but at the same time, having new experiences each and every time. Yeah. I mean, I I love it. And it is, but there is a real balance. I turned something down this week that, you know, I've got two jobs coming up. No, yes. Two jobs coming up, but I just turned one down. One of the jobs I've got coming up is only a small part. I think it's probably two or three scenes, but they are, sensational scenes and a really interesting character who's based on a real person um and it's it really interests me that role and then yesterday i I was offered something that i turned down that was a sort of nice supporting role but there's just nothing to it at all as you're just sort of there in the background to deliver information So I'm not interested in that. It's not really about size of part. It's about, is there something there that 
is exciting, aside from just working, because that's the hard thing is that I, I would just love to work and work and work and work and work. I love it. I love it. I love being on set. I love being on stage. I feel incredibly fortunate to have been able to do it and to keep doing it. But you've also got to justify being away from your family. Yeah. Not having your life, taking your time out of that life. And um, so there's, it's always a juggling act. So, yes, I do just love working and want to keep working, but only doing things that I think, oh, that, that's good. That's good. I think that's a great position to be in because obviously you pride yourself on the work you've done and you can be selective. You're not just saying yes to anything and being a yes man and kind of doing every role going just to pay the bills. You know, you, yeah. don't, want to, you don't want to ruin that. You want to be able to give yourself that, respect, that is, you know. Yeah. and But but I realise that that is a luxury. But truly, that is one of the main tenures of, of my acting books yeah. is that in doing other work work that pays the bills that gives you that little bit of power it's the only power the two we've got power in two ways what yeah. we look like and what jobs we say yes or no to and the latter of those is a bit of a luxury because very often you can be in a position where it's like i just want to work i haven't fucking worked for a year or whatever you know so having other ways to earn a living just gives you a little bit of breathing space and allows you where that luxury to have pride in your work is to be able to exercise that. So is there any roles that you kind of still want to add to your CV? Are there certain, I mean, if you look at the amount of roles you've been on, especially when you look at IMDB, there's such a range, but are there still some roles you'd love to secure or projects you'd like to work with or maybe a certain director that you want to tick off that list before you retire one day? Um, I mean, the only director that I ever thought, oh, I want to work with you was Sidney Lumet, who dead now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's not going to happen. Yeah. That's not going to happen. I always dreamt of that. I just loved him and his sensibility and his work so much. There's no one else. Really, there are a couple of directors I've worked with a couple of times that I'd love to work with again. Uh, Ryan Johnson, Jamma Collett, Sarah, really loved working with them. Chris Smith, I'd love to work with again. Um, but no, I just, I, I just love meeting new people and working with new people and then forging new relationships that just surprise you. It's, it's one of the really amazing things about the job is that you know it never ever you never stop learning new things and meeting new people you know i'm doing a job i'm starring in a show in the palladium in uh july to september i'm doing hello dolly me and imelda staunton are doing it and um you know the director of that dominic cook i can't wait to work with him never worked with him met him once he can you know he saw me in the show and then we went for lunch to discuss doing Hello, Dolly. And I really admire his theatre work and his film work. I can't wait. You just meet someone new and find out what makes them tick and see how you work together. Do you feel right now, uh, I was recently at Fright Fest. Uh, I think you were there too, maybe. Were you there this year? Yeah. And um Try and keep me away. I was gonna say, yeah, it's a, it's <laughs> it's the best it's like the, the best holiday to go on if you're into film. And um yeah. 
what what really excites me about being in the world of film is that there's such talent out there and people are doing it off their own backs they're not relying on a big budget or they're not relying on you know a film being greenlit you can actually go out there yourself now with the right people with the right kind of attitude and the work ethic and produce something really really special and unique genuinely with the tools that you've got at home oh i know it's absolutely mind-blowing isn't it it's it's amazing and just being around so many people like-minded people for a weekend was a dream come true and i know you're such a big fan but each year it seems to be getting bigger and more ideas and more and yet here's the thing i'd say to that I can't remember the last time I saw a film at Fright Fest that scared me. It's been a long time. There That's have been one, point, yeah. ones that have made me jump. Ones that, you know, I really enjoyed Cobweb in particular this year. But in terms of, I look back at the glory days of films that would make you hide behind your hand and think, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Well, there is a huge amount of stuff being made. But, uh, you know, you want to make stuff that really I would urge people to dig deeper, you know, to to certainly in that arena to make things that really unsettle. Because I think there's been a bit of a I don't know. I think scaring people is really hard to properly scare them. Can you remember the last sort of films that scared you? I mean, obviously, um there's so many out there but even just when you were talking then i was thinking what was the last time i was actually quite freaked out by a film and it might have been long ago now something like neil marshall's the descent or that was eden, a remarkable film wasn't it you know, or I eden mean, lake you know th those films that stuck with me that i was like in my head they believable you know i could imagine myself going down some caves and then suddenly shitting myself and seeing these horrendous kind of creatures that, that that's believable for me you know yes i mean the last one that properly scared me i honestly couldn't tell you the, the last film that profoundly upset me was a film called speak no evil right so i keep seeing this cover and everyone on twitter keeps saying to watch it but i've also heard that it's very tough to watch and it's is there a scene of a dog or something like this no, I'm not going to tell you anything about it, but it's, <laughs> okay. it's a profoundly, I mean, it's the most brilliant piece of work, but it's upsetting beyond belief. I mean, it's, it's, it's truly, truly, truly upsetting. Um, I think I need to pick the right time, the right day. Yeah, I mean, it. and also it's not a challenge. You know, there, I wish I'd never seen it. Oh, right. Okay. You know, truly wish I'd never seen it. I'll tell you what else I saw recently that was absolutely brilliant that's on Netflix, a film called Calibre, um, which, again, is a bit grim, actually a lot grim, but fucking Nora, it is <laughs> terrific. Read nothing about it. It's about two two pals who go on a, like a, a Scottish, go to the Highlands for a, a weekend. It's, and that's all I'm going to know for now. It's tremendous. So that's the last film that I think me and my wife watched. We actually have a little horror film club. Uh, there's a few of us that watch them on Zoom. Uh, oh, lovely. 
started doing it in, in at lockdown and have kept it going. And that was one of the ones, I mean, we've seen some absolute stinkers, but this was the one that was just, just a banger. It's brilliant. There's two. Usually when I do these podcasts, I've got a list and there's not many films I haven't seen because I'm always watching them for research. But the fact that I can go away from today's interview with two that sound. Well, look, have you seen all the, you know, um, obviously one of the reasons we're talking as well is that I've just done the Andy Nyman selects on Arrow. On Arrow, yeah. Have you seen all of the films on that I've chosen there? I've got literally uh, a month's pass that keeps renewing that I'm spending, and it doesn't sound right to say it like this, but because I'm so busy at the moment, I've kind of scheduled a couple of weeks over Christmas to basically play catch-up on films. All right, here and, are the uh, films on my list. Tell me, them. tell me the ones you haven't seen. Dark Water. I've seen it, and it's a masterpiece. Deep Red. Unbelievable. <laughs> Hellraiser, the original. Well, everyone's seen that. Ringu. Yes, the original. Brilliant. Cat and Nine Tales. Yes, classic. <laughs> Cinema Paradiso. Yes, absolutely incredible. City of the Living Dead. Yeah, absolute classic. Old Boy. Amazing. And I didn't like the remake. Now, I mean, we don't even need to. Why even say it with any of them? <laughs> why even say a remake? Just forget it. No, just to uh, warn people, just in yeah. case they get the wrong one. Yeah. Um, where do we get to? Old boy. Zombie flesh eaters. Yes, brilliant. Tenebrae. Oh, I've not seen that, and I should okay. have. I've got, I've got the steel book from Arrow, and I've not watched it. Um, come back to that. Bird of Crystal Plumage. Brilliant, classic. The Burning. One of my favourites ever, and the soundtrack is <laughs> astonishing. Okay, now look, all of those films, there, there is a curate's egg there, because they're not all brilliant films. They're films that I'm nostalgic about, like The Burning. The Burning and, is amazing. It's such a great um, choice. Oh, brilliant. And Zombie Flesh Eaters, yeah, I love for various reasons. Tenebrae is the last great Argento film. Yeah. It, it's a great giallo. It's a real return to form, and tremendous fun with some absolutely jaw-dropping camera work in it you're gonna have you're just gonna love it i mean it's, oh, it's this is good so i've it's, got three films to go away with now yeah it's absolutely insane um but you'll love it so there you go that's my uh that's the list i love maybe, it. maybe none of those on christmas day with my old grand sitting there after the queen well the king's speech maybe that's not well, maybe, Cine maybe cinema paradiso yeah but, um no but other than that grand happy christmas you love that <laughs> you love eye gougings don't you yeah of course you do <laughs> Uh, a couple of things, obviously, before we wrap up. Um, are you still getting much time to do your magic work? Uh, obviously, you just said you've been writing a book. Obviously, that must take so much time. Writing. Uh, yeah, I, I'm obsessed with magic. Yeah. I, me and my son do it a lot. I've got a show in the West End at the moment that finishes in January called Unbelievable that myself and Darren Brown and Andrew O'Connor created and directed. That's a lot of fun. Uh, a whole new way to do a magic show. Um, is, it, is that touring, is it? No, no, no. It's in the West End at the moment. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, and you'll see a bit of it, actually, on the Royal Variety performance that's coming up. I'm not sure. Well, I, I have a friend called Darren who's a, a very big magician who absolutely is obsessed with your work and Darren's. And he said to me when I told him I was interviewing you, please ask him if he was ever going to tour 
the unbelievable show. So uh, the fact you've just mentioned that without being prompted blows my uh, mind. No, uh, at the moment, there's no plans to tour it. Um, but I urge you to try and see it in town if you can. Yeah, it's really worth it's the a, trip. It's a great night out. Yeah, yeah. And any more books on the horizon or subjects you want to approach? Because uh, obviously... Yeah, I mean, we have to... Um, we will be writing a new Warlock adventure. Um, the Warlock effect has been very popular, thank goodness. People seem to love it. And uh, so that will be coming out in paperback in April. And as I say, we're adapting that for TV at the moment. Um, and then tickets are now on sale for hello dolly at the palladium next year so if you want to come and see me in that, that is you're, you're a busy boy i am thank god my final question and i've done over 300 episodes and i've had guests like anthony hopkins mads mickelson kevin smith all different people from all different walks of life but they get the same last question and sure. what i'd love to know of you today is when this podcast is all edited and ready for the world to listen to, you get to choose the last song that's played. It can be any piece of music or any song that means a lot to you, but it means that this podcast stays original because no one ever picks the same piece of music. And I know I'm putting you on the spot and I know it's a tough question, but when I ask the question, what's the song that comes to your head and your heart before any other that you would love to be played out as the outro music for our interview today? Well, I'll tell you, but I don't think you're going to be able to find it. I can find, I've had someone ask for a 22-minute B-side from Yoko Ono. Wow. Okay. There is an album by Jack Jones. Jack called, Jones, right. Called Harbour. Okay. Okay. Uh, and there is a song on there. <clears throat> Fools in Love. I like this already because it's, I've never heard this artist. I've never heard this song. I've never heard this album. So instantly now, this will put me on a, hopefully a new road to a whole uh, new artist. I am going to give you a second one. If you can't find that <laughs> as a backup. Okay. Uh, if you can't find that you can play, hang on a sec. Comes along a love by K star. And what, what I love more than the song choice, what's the reason that those uh, choices were made today? Uh, so Harbour, that album is a safety blanket to me. I absolutely love it. It's the album that my dad used to play in the car when we were kids. Oh, I love it. I still absolutely adore it. And what I, you can't get it. You could never get it on CD or anything. I don't think it's on Spotify. And... The the version I have on my phone was a I adapted it from the LP I've got. So it's you know, it, it's got life and crackle to it. I love it. It's Popping just nostalgia a, though, isn't it? Oh god, I love it. And then Comes Along a Love is a song that I only discovered a few years ago. It's it's from about 1952. It's got a really gorgeous, happy energy to it. I feature it, Jeremy and I feature it fleetingly in um the warlock effect and it's a song it just seems to capture what feels like sort of soho of that time it's it's just it's cracking it's absolutely brilliant 
Do you know, if I find both of these, I'll use a snippet before we start this interview, and at the end, the full version of the second song, because I'm intrigued by both now, and I kind of want to set myself like a task and a mission to find this song. Excellent work. I hope you do. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I think we've probably been in the same room at the Prince Charles many times, at film events, at premieres, at Fright Fests. I really hope in the near future somehow we can do it again, maybe face-to-face, maybe longer, because it's been amazing to meet you today and we've just scratched the surface, but I know that there's hours and hours of conversation that we could have. So I really hope that this is just the start. Next time we're in the same room, make sure you come and say hello to me. I will do. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, The list you've made for Arrow is just masterpiece after masterpiece. (laughs) I've got... I've got new films to take away today that will probably stay with me and scar me for life and my nan on Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, But genuinely, your time is very precious and means a lot. So thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I will make sure I buy you a beer in the future and we we do a part two when the time's right. Lovely. Well, make sure that um, you let me know when the podcast is out because I'd love to. I will. Yeah, there's there's a lot of episodes. I don't just do uh, directors or writers or actors. I've done bands. I've done... Brilliant. I had Biffy Clyro and Pete Doherty on last week, uh, all different people. So there's many different names, but I'll tag you in and uh, share, share, share it. And um, yeah, let's make it happen again because uh, I've really enjoyed tonight. Me too. So there's my interview with me and the amazing Andy Nyman. What an absolute legend. What an amazing guy just to listen to. One of my favourite interviews to edit. And I just sat there and thought... I really wish we had like an hour and a half or even two weeks just to sit down and talk because I think we could have recorded an hour and a half just about our love for Jaws, then another episode on horror, then writing, then magic, then TV, then film. He really blew my mind in the time we were given and like I said at the start of today's interview, I'm making it this year's target to make sure I get Andy back, maybe in the flesh, maybe for YouTube, and we'll sit down and talk and talk because I absolutely love this interview and absolutely love everything about Andy. A big thanks for Andy for coming on the show. Your time means the world. And as I said earlier, please go and check out on the Arrow Player, Andy Nyman Selects. There's some great titles as you heard on today's interview. You should go and see what he says about these great horror classics and his reasons for choosing them. Also, I want to say thanks to you guys at home for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I really appreciate all the support and love you send this way. If you've enjoyed today's episode, why not go on Patreon and sign up and help support the podcast? It costs as little as £1 a month, and for that you get exclusive badges, a sticker, you get some merch packs. You also get exclusive episodes, which this year are going to happen each and every month, called The Lost Tapes, which are only going to be available for people on Patreon. And all the money that you give me on Patreon goes right back into the podcast. It allows me to travel the country, go out to different places, attend screenings, go to different events which basically provides me more opportunities to record episodes for you guys at home. And like I said, I don't make any money off this. It all goes back into the podcast. If you can't afford that, then that's absolutely fine. The podcast will always remain free. But what I do ask in return is please just share it. If you're on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram, just hit that share button or retweet button or just like it. It really helps get more people to see the podcast and tune in and then hopefully become a fan of the podcast and then stick around for the future and the episodes that come their way. I'll be back in only a few days time with another brand new episode. So until then, look after yourself. Take care and I'll speak to you all very soon. 
Till I opened my 